Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining today's podcast, which is a continuation of our podcast series on topics ranging from accelerating electronic provider payment adoption to developing a modern medical network. I'm Philip Cardona and will be your host for today's discussion. Today, our topic will focus on how health plans can develop a modern medical network to unlock the value of the data contained in their network, as well as where the industry is headed in terms of payer and provider interactions. Our, get, our guest for today's discussion is Mike Parisi, SVP and General Manager for the Medical Network Business Unit here at Change Healthcare. Mike, before we get started, can you please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role here at Change Healthcare? Sure, Philip. Thanks. Um, so as Philip mentioned, I'm the General Manager of the Medical Network Business uh, here at Change Healthcare. Uh, I joined Change Healthcare uh, about five and a half years ago and uh, have had a variety of roles here at the company. But uh, over the last three years, I've had the uh, pleasure of leading the medical network business, um, supporting both our payer and our provider cu uh, customers. And um, I'm based uh, out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, have uh, uh, you know, three boys here. And uh, really excited to have the opportunity to chat with Philip, share a little bit about um, you know what we're seeing and hearing from our customers, and how we're focusing on uh, improving the healthcare system. Great, thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. So let's go ahead and get started. You know, touching on the theme that I mentioned in the introduction of where the industry is headed in terms of payer provider interactions, can you share with the audience your perspective and how you think that will impact a, a payer's overall network strategy? Sure. Yeah, happy to. And it's a great question. I, you know, I don't know how many hours you have for me to answer that. Um, but it, no, in all seriousness, um, it is a great question. I don't have a crystal ball, but I do have an idea of, you know, some of the things that we're seeing. Uh, and it's exciting to see the, you know, some of the transformation that's happening. Um, you know, in my role, as I mentioned before, I, I serve both the payer and the provider market. So I get to talk to a lot of providers. I get to hear what providers are looking for. I also get to talk to a lot of payers. And, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with the breadth of everything we do here at Change Healthcare, uh, we have a very wide range of assets and capabilities. So I also get the opportunity to not only talk with our sort of typical uh, customers that leverage some of the medical network, uh, electronic transactions like claiming and eligibility, et cetera, but I also get to bridge out into other areas like the clinical areas and the payment areas. Um, and so that kind of gives me the ability to collect a lot of insight into some of the unmet needs that we're seeing out there in the market. One of the things I consistently have heard from our provider customers is that they really are looking for us to help them solve uh, you know, some of the challenges they have in engaging and interacting with payers because they see us as an entity that supports payers with a lot of their operational processes. We're already deeply embedded in that provider's workflow. And so they're looking for us to help them solve those challenges of, hey, how can you take the things that you know about the payer or that you may even be supporting the payer with and bring those things uh, into our workflow to make things more efficient? Um, you know, and so a few examples of that and a few things that I think are very topical uh, for our provider customers, right? And so one example is at Change Healthcare, we have a very large footprint into Epic, Cerner, and some of the large hospital EMRs. And we have that footprint because we plugged in um, our decision support criteria into the ordering mm -hmm. model. So for instance, I think we have roughly 90% of Epic hospitals where we've plugged our decision support content directly into your ordering module. We can push and pull information in and out of that EMR. 
And so they're really saying, hey, help us solve how we can drive electronic prior authorization with the payers. You're already plugged into our system and our workflow. Yet, uh, can you help us with your criteria that's already being used by payers, which is Interqual, to help guide, uh, you know, medical necessity reviews and decision support? And how do you, how can you help us sort of bring that together to solve a challenge like prior authorization? Another way that we're seeing, you know, a lot more payer provider collaboration is around just the core claiming and payment process. You know, they're looking at us and saying, how can you help us? Uh, more efficiently you know, process our claims. And so from a payer's perspective, um, there's an awful lot of stuff that happens after the claim hits their front door. Retrospective processes like chart audits for uh, claims getting denied and then subsequently you have an appeal process and maybe the provider calls a few times to find out what happened to their claim. Uh, all those things are just generating uh, waste in the system. And if we can solve some of those upfront uh, it's going to create, you know, one, happier providers because they're going to realize that, oh, I made a mistake. I need to correct something on my claim faster. It's also going to prevent all that waste and rework from happening on the back end of the payer. So it really is a win-win. Uh, and so that's one of the things that we're really focused on is taking a lot of our uh, analytics and intelligence that we've historically uh, applied sort of on the back end after maybe a payer's re reviewed a claim and then we edit it or we look at something like risk adjustment to make sure that the diagnosis codes are correct on the, on the claim. And we're taking all of those uh, capabilities and intelligence and we're moving that forward uh, into, into the network. Um, and that I think does a couple things, as mentioned before, it's gonna reduce your cost. Uh, it's gonna improve you know, the turnaround time to pay the provider, which in turn is gonna make the provider happier. Um, and it also opens up you know, some avenues to do uh, innovative things and address some challenges. So I mentioned risk adjustment earlier. You know, for certain Medicaid markets, you aren't able to do retrospective encounter uh, adjustment in order to capture that, you know, proper uh, and accurate uh, coding on the claim for risk adjustment purposes. And so if we're able to correct that in the network, where it's actually really the only place is either at the provider before they submit it or in the network before it reaches the payer, where you have a chance to affect the way that that claim was coded in order to make sure it was properly, you know, reflected from a risk adjustment purpose. And that impacts the reimbursement that those health plans get, um, you know, in terms of that risk adjustment factor. So it is meaningful from a financial perspective as well. So, you know, just to maybe summarize some of the things I'm seeing, it's really about taking some of the back end processes, some of the complexity that's happening, uh, moving it into the front end, making that uh, you know, transaction that you know, historically was really around, hey, I'm gonna take something that was done on paper or something that was done via fax or via a phone call and making that electronic, it's still important. But it's also then how do we, how do you, can you layer value into that to make that interaction more meaningful and generate a real ROI? So that's where we see things going, going from just sort of a, uh, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, a dumb transaction, right? That's just shifting mm -hmm. data back and forth to an intelligent transaction that's going to drive a lot more value uh, and create, you know, ongoing value capture for both the payer and the provider, right? And truly solve uh, the challenges and the waste that we see in the healthcare system. Yeah, and you bring up a couple interesting points there. And so, you know, as I understand, it's really moving activities kind of in a very generic way, right? Right to left, right? Almost in that pre-adjudication space to say, can we create value add activities, services, solutions 
and impacting the claim before it actually gets to the plan or the health care organization. Is that kind of one way to think of it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you've encapsulated it well with that. And one of the other areas that I didn't mention just to hit on is really around clinical data exchange. So you think about the retrospective kind of processes we talk about. One of them is chart audits, right? Whether it's a claim requires a chart just to justify the medical necessity or it's a payment integrity audit or it's a risk adjustment audit. There's a lot of different reasons that charts get audited. And one of the things we've realized with our network footprint, because we have so many hospitals, for instance, that use our network, we've identified that we have this ability to really facilitate a bidirectional exchange between the payer and the provider around clinical data retrieval. So we have the capability to send a solicitation through our network to the provider. So basically a request electronically, right, which prevents the payer from having to send a letter for a chart audit, spend the money on the postage. It's also faster, right? We can present that because we have the software interface for the provider who's actually sending the claim in the first place. We can actually present that as a work queue inside that software interface. And then we've got the electronic 275 transaction to send back the claim attachment, link it to that claim so that when the payer gets it, they're going to see that and understand it. And so really create that, you know, kind of closed loop communication where we send a request, we retrieve the document and send the response back with the information the payer needs. All of that done electronically. So you no longer have to, you know, maybe get something in the mail. So you send a letter in the mail, get a chart in the mail, you got to scan it, figure out where it goes. Now we're going to send it back electronically linked to the claim. And then what's most exciting is then getting in that digital format. It's going to make applying natural language processing, automation, artificial intelligence capabilities, see that transaction a lot easier. So that's kind of the next generation. It's sort of right now really about laying the foundation of building that closed loop network for clinical data exchange so that you can request it, get the clinical data to augment the claim, and then subsequently being able to roll out artificial intelligence, natural language processing to drive even greater efficiency in terms of how that information is received, reviewed, interpreted, and processed by the health plan. You mentioned next gen. I mean, I think that's probably putting it lightly, you know, having spent some time in that arena, if you will, it's so paper and people process driven. You know, it's kind of a head scratcher, right? When you think about healthcare and the manual activities that are required that you just described, and at least knowing there's a path forward that you can digitize that is exciting. I think not only for myself, but I'm sure our listeners as well. Do you see, you know, within the industry, if you segment it a little bit based on what you described, do you feel like there's certain pockets, whether it be provider-sponsored health plans or government programs that are neat or blues, so to speak, that are leaning in a little bit more in a little bit that you described are trying to be, you know, early adopters, if you will, kind of give the audience a little flavor where you see kind of where those trends are? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. So for the 275 transaction, the claim attachment transaction, actually the early adopter we had was the government, the Department of Veterans Affairs was the first. Go figure. Yeah, go figure. I'm sure everybody would have guessed that, right? But no, in all honesty, they've been live now for, you know, for, gosh, it's been like a year. And so we've been processing 275s for them. And what's been great about that is that 
um, they, they do request a lot of charts to go along with their claims. They're, they tend to be uh, require that clinical documentation more often than a typical payer. So that's made it very attractive for the healthcare providers to uh, sign up for and invest in enrolling in our service. So now we've got this critical mass of providers that are very interested in working with any payer we bring on so that yeah. we have people ready to test, ready to submit. So sometimes these network transactions were a bit of a you know, chicken and egg problem where, you know, you needed to have enough uh, providers to make it worthwhile for a payer. And similarly, you needed to have enough payers for the provider. We've now kind of gotten over that hump. Um, and so we're seeing that take off. You know, the other thing that I think is really exciting in kind of, you know, um, so you say it's, you know, sort of next gen, but, you know, we really go next gen all the way. Um, we announced a capability called, uh, we call CDR, clinical data retrieval. And um, for, for those that listening, you may or may not know this, but Change Healthcare is the infrastructure service provider for the Commonwealth Health Alliance, which is an alliance of electronic medical record uh, vendors that was created years ago to support interoperability between providers. And what's exciting is we've taken all the assets and intellectual property we've created as the infrastructure provider for that service. And we've launched an offering through the market geared uh, specifically at payers and that will you know, use the same identity management, record location, fire-based clinical data retrieval technology that we use for Commonwealth. And we perform millions and millions of interoperability transactions uh, every day mm -hmm. for Commonwealth. So it's a large and uh, very tested scalable network that, um, that we're building this on top of. Um, and what we're able to do then is to actually then go not only just wait for the provider to send a 275, which is great, that's actually really great progress versus the fax and mail that we had before. But for certain use cases, we can actually uh, go out and if that provider is on that Commonwealth network, which we've got a large network of providers, I think 60 million patients have authorized their medical documentation to be shared on that network, and that number keeps going up, uh, we'll be able to also just go grab the uh, CCDA and in some cases the full medical record from our clinical data retrieval network. So um, when you think about you know the idea that we can send a request and get a chart back electronically as a PDF and do all that AI, that's that's cool. And then when you think about well, what's the next step for that? Well, the next step for that is not only can we do that, but if that if that clinical data and that EMR exists on our CDR network, our clinical data retrieval network, we can run a Firebase query find the records and then pull that in as well. So over the longer haul, when you really think, when I, people say, Mike, what do you think is gonna happen in the network transaction world? Mm -hmm. You know, I love it if every claim we could enrich with clinical data, right? And yeah. we can build rules and logic and all kinds of intelligence that determine, you know, what kind of data to retrieve, to augment a claim, right? To help process that claim or to kick off maybe a care management activity. So if you're a health plan, and you need the ability to identify members that require additional medical management, uh, an eligibility check or a claim could be something that kicks off a request for clinical data that then you know can be interpreted and can then trigger some other kind of engagement. So it's really exciting to see you know kind of how quickly things have started to move um, you know around some of these you know exchanges and opportunities. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to uh, continuing to build. Uh, build on the capabilities and solve some of the challenges that have been out there in the healthcare system for a long time. Yeah, well, it certainly sounds like directionally um, you're in a good spot, right, from building that modern medical network. You know, for our listeners who 
you know, might more or less have a standard transaction, standard medical network, right? And not, yeah. I mean, not necessarily a bad way. You know, and, and they're listening to you talk almost about a future state, you know, to a certain extent. You know, where, where are some places they could start thinking about the little things that they could say almost incrementally of how you can get there, right? Is it, is it simple? Is it more complicated? Could you maybe walk them through a little bit if you gave one or two recommendations of where to start or where to begin? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good question because, you know, some of the things I just described are sort of completely different uh, workflows and models that would kind of break the healthcare system as it functions today. So when you think about where to start, there are a few things that I would suggest thinking about. So one is looking at your, your medical network transactions, your EDI transactions, and you're trying to identify where you have opportunity. One of the easiest places that we find for opportunity is to move some of those edits. So take some of those things that may be happening in the adjudication or you know, prepayment from an editing perspective uh, and try to apply those things before those claims hit your front door. So we're building edits for things like checking for duplicate claims, all sorts of you know, SNP type one through seven edits. We build custom edits for our payers on our payer platform. Um, and really that's just about identifying things that are inaccurate, our errors or otherwise, uh, you know, don't belong necessarily uh, coming into your front door, catching those in the network, and that gets that information back to the provider faster. So, um, you know, from an overall perspective, it's going to save uh, in most cases, and we can take uh, the claims that we process for you, run them through all of our edits um, in parallel to take kind of a sample and show the results of what we would have caught on the front end. And then we've got a pretty good idea just based on our industry kind of experience and what other payers have, uh, have saved. So what is the actual ROI of mm -hmm. running those edits? So, you know, that's a simple thing that can be done. You know, we're, we're, we're very, um, you, know, in, you know, working closely with a lot of payers around just sort of consolidating their connectivity. So you know, the other aspect of sort of applying edits and intelligence and trying to clean things up on the front end is you need everything to come through a single pipe in order to mm -hmm. do that. And so, uh, we've had a lot of success in terms of driving cost savings uh, and consolidating and streamlining, you know, some of that transaction management. Um, that also kind of then helps with other use cases. So, you know, we've had um, a lot of vendor fatigue is another theme we hear from our payer customers where they're asked to integrate with so many vendors that you end up building a lot of interfaces to different vendors. And then anytime there's a change. So, you know, I think of, uh, you know, I was, I guess, was 7030, now we're calling it 8010. So 8010 is going to come out, or someday ICD 11 is going to come, or uh, CMS is going to come audit, right? They're going to come, you know, CMS is going to need to come audit something. And every time that happens, right, or every time you need to do an inf information security certification of your vendor, that all takes organizational energy and inertia. Anytime you make a core system change, you have to go make sure all your interfaces weren't broken and do all the testing. And that stuff really slows down how quickly you can move as a health plan. And so, you know, there's opportunities then, you know, if you have everything kind of coming through uh, an entity like Change Healthcare, where we've been now starting to connect with, whether it's for the CMS interoperability mandates or whether it's just to truly help uh, offload some of that burden of connecting with third parties health savings account vendors, uh, you know, ancillary benefit and service providers. Maybe there's a large uh, employer group that wants to use a specific vendor and requires a feed. You can actually just build that directly off of our platform, solve for some of the administrative complexity, 
um, that you might have and, and really start to untangle the spaghetti that is in a lot of health plans sort of, uh, you know, overall technology environment due to all of these one-off integrations mm -hmm. that we set up over time. So, uh, you know, see a lot of potential there as well. And then the last thing I would say, uh, and sorry for the long-winded answer to your question, is, you know, when it comes to attached clinical data exchange, really just getting started with attachments, it's actually, um, I think, a lot easier than many payers think. And we have a portal. And so one option is to simply have, you know, when a claim comes in, we indicate in the PWK segment or, where, or, or in other manners that there is an attachment associated with that claim. And we can have providers start submitting those documents electronically. Um, in terms of the ROI, I mean, even just from a scanning cost, we know that yeah. it costs about 40 cents to scan a claim, uh, 10 cents or so to scan uh, a page of a chart. If you have a 15 page chart, that's a buck 90 a claim with the chart. If you got all that electronically, you're going to save a lot of money because you're not going to have to pay for all that scanning costs. Um, and so there's just a, an ROI to simply getting it in the portal and going, you know, recognizing the claim as an attachment, go search for the, the document, pull it down electronically. And then you can build on that, right? And then you can build the automation into your workflow. Uh, you can think about how you might apply, you know, our, uh, artificial intelligence capabilities to help, you know, accelerate your review of any of that documentation and, and all of those things. So I think it's really about sort of setting a, a foundation, kind of going one step at a time, uh, solving the problems, and then incrementally kind of working your way uh, to, to a more and more efficient uh, structure. Yeah, it almost feels like with some of the customer conversations I'm involved in, it certainly needs to start at the top to say, we are going to go all digital or at least something to that effect, right? Because you mentioned, you know, it's funny because just faxes and scans, it's so pervasive and, yeah. you know, the customers and folks, and it's always kind of a pain point. People more or less complain about it, but then it's like, well, then let's do something about it, right? I mean, there are services whether change healthcare or otherwise that can streamline and operationalize some of those things. And, you know, sometimes for me, I'm kind of understanding like, what's the barrier? Like, why can't we do this? Um, you know, so it's always interesting to kind of hear from different organizations, but would you agree it's really a top down type of activity saying we need to, you know, this is the direction we're going and we need to just go all in. Does it feel like it's, it's kind of that, that type of feedback you're hearing? I think that really helps. And I think, you know, one of the things that has happened is with the current pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. think back to where we were, pre shut down. And, um, you know, even a lot of offshore, if you used any services in India, and India had to shut down in about 24 hours, it was like everybody in India couldn't get to their computer anymore. Um, and so if you relied on any of that paper based processes, we saw the same thing with some of our providers and sort of checks and their inability to process and post a paper remittance, right? So they couldn't actually even manage their paper remits because the, the groups that received those and those paper checks, you know, couldn't go to work because they were right. uh, they yeah. were at home. And so that was affecting their cash flow. We've seen the same thing with the payers, right? Where, you know, you didn't want people in your mailroom opening packages, right? Standing next to anybody else, scanning documents because, you know, they needed to be able to work from home. And in a paper-based world, working from home is really difficult. So. I think that's accelerated also this issue to you know move up the agenda in terms of when you think about you know what we need to be able to do in the current environment and you know also just sort of future proofing in the event God forbid something yeah. happens again you know you don't want to be in the same spot where you have to you know scramble to figure out remote work and 
uh, how to manage, you know, manage things like a mailroom that are critical to your operations. You want to de-risk that as much as possible. And so I think that's also helped elevate this to more of an executive kind of agenda topic around, hey, how do we become really more digital? How do we truly enable a remote workforce to do their, to do their work? Um, and, you know, being able to, you know, to eliminate some of these one-off processes that are also just inefficient, it, it ends up making a lot of sense. Yeah, well, and, and last question, but a follow-up to your response there is, you know, COVID is, you know, it's almost the new normal. And sometimes I feel like, oh, it's, you know, it's going to end and, you know, things will get back to normal and that still hasn't happened, right? But digi you know, digitizing workflows, as you're describing, is what we all think we should be doing anyways. And then you layer COVID on top of it and it's like gasoline of, okay, we really need to figure this out. You know, folks aren't going in to provide our offices. There's more telehealth, right? Which probably is a good thing in a lot of areas and just paper-based processes, right? Just to reduce the human risk factor if nothing else, right? Other than just the business performance. I mean, it, it really humanizes a lot of what you're talking about. Absolutely. I mean, it put a, uh, you know, it put a strain on the entire system. It put a strain on the world, right? I mean, here, here we are in our, in our houses, right? Doing a, a podcast, uh, you know, so it's, you know, the world's been turned upside down and, um, you know, I, my hope is that good things will come from this, right? Because sometimes trying times sort of, uh, you know, push the envelope for innovation. And so one of the things we talked about as a leadership team, um, as we've gone through, you know, this public health crisis here is really, you know, how do we, how do we um, emerge from this, you know, as better, stronger, making a bigger impact on the healthcare system? Uh, you know, sort of if you're, if you're given lemons, how do you, how do you make some lemonade in terms of advancing and so right. we emerge from this so much stronger so really i think that's the opportunity in front of all of us across the healthcare industry um you know providers are extremely strained right now under the situation that they're dealing with uh and so grateful for everything they're doing for humanity right and, and for our country and for people across the world um, and so when you think about that and you think about okay what can we do to you know help them and help you know reduce some of that burden make things more efficient, you know, everybody can do their little part. So, uh, you know, I think there's an opportunity, uh, you know, that will emerge from this to, to hopefully, uh, you know, make the healthcare system better in, in a wide variety of ways. And, you know, hopefully this is one of them. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I read a quote the other day that said, don't let a, a good crisis go to waste, right? And so right. <laughs> kind of feels a little bit like that. Well, Mike, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. For our listeners, don't forget to check the show notes for links to resources and contact information related to today's show. As part of our series, stay tuned for additional Change Healthcare podcasts. And for more information on our medical network offering and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. I'm Philip Cardona, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.